Amen. 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 Our text is found in Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5. Let us pray and ask God's blessing upon us as we come this morning to his word. Heavenly Father, once again, it is indeed a delight and a joy to be gathered together with your saints, to be called out from the world, called as your elect, called in Christ Jesus to show forth his mercy and to proclaim his glories in a dark and lost world. Lord, may we this morning not take for granted the mercies that have come to us, our salvation, the joy of it, the peace of mind that comes only from knowing Christ. May your spirit come and fill this place. Indeed, fill our hearts. Open our minds to the realities, the deep truths that are Christ Jesus. All that he is and all that he has done. Remind us that the baby who was born in the manger came for a purpose. Came that he might redeem those who were lost. Came that he might call his sheep lost and wandering into the fold. Came that we might not have the fear of hell, but indeed that we might rejoice in the hope of heaven. So I thank you this morning. Thank you for this time again. Thank you for this season. And most of all, we thank you for Jesus. He not only makes all this possible, but indeed, he makes it all worthwhile. We pray in his holy name. Amen. Amen. Well, every year about this time, Christmas time, I'm I'm quite confident that um, Christmas is filled with many questions. Many questions of which... Um, even Christians often ask, and you and I find ourselves asking and even, even debating. Questions like, are Christmas trees biblical? Does the candy cane really represent the blood and the life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ? Should we be giving and receiving gifts? After all, it's not our birthday. Or how about this one? Which movie is better, The Miracle on 34th Street? The Christmas Story or It's a Wonderful Life? Do angels really get their wings every time a bell rings? One of the big questions, however, surrounds the birth of Christ, doesn't it? In particular, the question is raised oftentimes, when exactly was Jesus born? When exactly was Jesus born? For some 1,700 years now, the church and even the world has celebrated the birth of Christ on the 25th of December of every year. But was Jesus born on December 25th? 
Well, actually, you know, the Bible does not give us the exact day in which Jesus was born, and therefore it might be presumptuous and even futile to even declare for certain the day on which Jesus was born. However, if we look at scriptures carefully, I think we might be able to get, we might be able to infer a general time frame on which Jesus Christ came into the world. We're told, for example, in Luke chapter 1 and in verse 26, that Jesus was conceived in the womb of Mary about the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. Now, who is Elizabeth? Well, we are told early on in that chapter, around verse 5 or so, and 6 and 7, that Elizabeth was the wife of Zechariah, the priest. She was also Mary's cousin. She was the mother of John the Baptist. And the Bible tells us in chapter, in chapter 1 and verse 8 that an angel came to Zechariah while he was fulfilling his temple responsibilities. And the angel came to him and told him that his wife, Elizabeth, who was barren at the time, was going to bear a son. And that son's name would be John. And then in verse 24 of chapter 1 of Luke, we see that apparently Zechariah, after he finished his temple service, put the Lord to the test. And lo and behold, Elizabeth did conceive. About the time that his service in the temple was complete. Now, you do some research and scholars will tell us that according to the division of the priestly labor within the temple, that Zachariah's time in the temple would have been completed in what would have corresponded with our calendar year sometime around May or June. Between May or June, as you understand that the Jewish calendar at that time was different from the calendar that you and I have today, that we have today in the world. But if we correspond the months and try to correspond the days, then John the Baptist would have been conceived about the months of May or June. So six months later, Mary comes to Elizabeth and tells Elizabeth that she also is with child, but she is with child of the Holy Spirit. So if Mary comes to Elizabeth about six months later, then that would have been approximately about November or December. So Jesus is probably conceived in the womb of Mary by Holy Spirit sometime in November, December. Mary stays with Elizabeth according to Luke chapter 1 and verse 56. Mary stays with Elizabeth for about three months. And therefore, she stays with Elizabeth approximately until the time of John the Baptist's 
birth, which would have probably then been around May, I mean, uh, March, maybe April. Jesus subsequently would have probably been born about six months later, which would have put it around, generally speaking, September, maybe October. Now, all things being normal, and we know that there really was nothing normal about the birth of Jesus. But all things being normal and what we know about children and what we know about women giving birth, Jesus was probably born in the fall and not the winter time. However, all of what I just said really is based upon reasonable inferences from the scripture and some human scholarship. Yet what I want to do for us this morning is suggest that rather than infer from the obscure, let's go to the scriptures and find explicitly the answers to the questions that I want to raise this morning. Rather than infer when Jesus was born, let's go into the scriptures and let the scriptures tell us exactly when Jesus was born. There's three questions I want us to raise this morning, and by God's grace, we'll answer from our text. The first one is, when was Jesus born? The second one is, how was Jesus born? And the third one is, why? Was Jesus born? When was Jesus born? Well, we saw that he was, if we infer from the scriptures in Luke chapter 1, and we, we do a little research and we put our mind into it, we may be able to pull out a, a, a time frame, a monthly reference. But I'd like to go to Galatians chapter 4 and hear exactly what the Bible says. When Jesus was born, he was born in the fullness of time. what the Bible says. When was Jesus born? He was born in the fullness of time. In the fullness of time, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son. He was born according to God's time. He was born according to God's grace. It was when God had determined that he would be born. That's when Christ was born, when God determined it was time for Christ to be born. Temporally speaking, he was was born when the Romans had gained and conquered authority in the Mideastern world. He was born when Herod was king. He was born when Mary was given in marriage to Joseph. He was born when the shepherds were out in the field keeping watch over their flocks by night. Temporally speaking, that's when Jesus was born. But eternally speaking and more significantly speaking, he was born when the sovereign providential will of God had determined that Christ would come. He was born after the time had been fulfilled. At the 
at the right exact time in which God desired for the Christ to come into the world, that's when he came. He came at a time when there was a silence, there was a prophetic silence in the world. Some 400 years had passed since God had last spoken in the Old Testament through his prophets. And there was a loud silence in the world as if God had just absenced himself from the scene. No word from God for over 400 years. The silence was deafening. But not only was the silence deafening, the darkness over that time had grown thick. And yet, beloved, this reminds us that our God is in no hurry. (laughs) Our God is not rushed. Our God is not late. He is not behind schedule. Some of us in here have, have known the, the trauma of premature pregnancies. Others of us have, have known the ordeal of overdue pregnancies. And when it comes to Jesus, beloved, Jesus was not premature. Jesus was not overdue. According to the Bible, Jesus came right on time. In the fullness of time, when the right time had come. Why? Because God is always on time. God is always on time. And this is why we can trust him. We can always trust his timing. When will I graduate? In God's timing. When will I get married? In God's timing. When will my child get saved? In God's timing. When will I get the promotion? In God's timing. When will I be able to retire? In God's timing. When will I finally settle in and know God's will for my life? The answer is in God's timing. What Christmas should remind us, beloved, always remind us that while we keep an eye on the clock, we need more importantly to be keeping an eye on God. Keeping an eye on God's providence in our life. Keeping an eye on what God is doing in our lives as he is taking his time. Revealing to us himself and his will in his it is God's timing that really matters the song said and so true it is he may not come when you want him but he's always right on time because he's an on time God yes he is Just as God sent Christ into the world at the right time, so he deals with our lives at the right time. That's what grace is, really. Isn't that what grace is? Grace is Christ at the right time. When did you receive Christ? At the right time. 
When did you get saved? At the right time. When did you come to know the baby born in the manger was your savior? At the right time. Because grace is Christ at the right time. why Christ is born according to God's timing. Christ is born according to God's grace. God sent forth his son. When the time had been fulfilled, that's God's timing. God sent forth his son. That's God's grace. God sent forth his son. God sending forth his son is a demonstration of the father's love. In God's timing, we receive God's grace. The father sent the son. The father sent the son. It is the father who sent Jesus. God, God, God was not reluctant. No one was in heaven twisting God's arm, forcing him to send Jesus into the world. As you look at Jesus and you see the baby there and you say, oh, how lovely. Oh, how kind. As you see the life of Jesus, as he ministers the gospel and mercy and love to people. As you see Christ on the cross, taking our sins. The reason for all of that is the Father's love. The Father sent the Son. And when the fullness of time had come, God sent the Son. For it pleased the Father to send the Son. Why? Because of his grace and his love toward us. It was his pleasure that Christ would come into the world. Because he knew that's what we needed. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Beloved, whenever you are worshiping Jesus Christ, the son. Whenever you are in the moment of admiring and relishing and 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 living in the love that is in Christ remember it is the father who sent the son if ever you are tempted as some have is to look in the old testament and see an awesome and see a fearful and see a mighty and see a judgmental god remember it is that god who sent the son because he loved you because in god's time came god's grace When was Jesus born? He was born in God's timing. He was born according to God's grace. How was Jesus born? How was Jesus born? Our text answers that question also. He was born of a woman. He was born under the law. 
was born, in other words, he was born God's way. He was born God's way. How was he born? It's plain and simple. He was born God's way. There, were, there, there are a number of ways in which Jesus could have come into the world. He could have just appeared as the angels did. He just could have appeared out of nowhere, stepped through the dimension, and came into the world, standing there, full grown on the banks of Jordan. He could have came like the angels did as they appeared to Joseph, appeared to Mary. Jesus could have just appeared. Or he could have been fashioned out of the ground could have taken a body like Adam did, could have taken a body out of the ground and fashioned for himself out of the dust of the earth, a body for his own pleasure, for the glory of the Father to live and die. He could have come as the angels came. He could have came as Adam came. But that wasn't God's way. He came God's way. He came born of a woman. Born of a woman. This, this reminds us that though he was the son of God, he came as a man. He came as a man. Though he was the eternal second person of the Trinity, he came as a human Is there anything more common to the human experience than being born of a woman? Is there anyone here this morning who is not born of a woman? If you are, you keep it to yourself. That's more information than I need. But I am quite confident this morning that there is no one here who was not born of a woman. And this was God's promise from the very beginning. In Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15, God said that Jesus would be the seed of the woman. This is God's promise through the prophet in Isaiah chapter 4 and uh, chapter 7 and verse 14. The prophet says, behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and call his name Emmanuel, this is God's purpose from the very beginning that his son would be born of a woman. This is interesting because the curse of sin upon the woman Eve is redeemed in the coming of Christ. This is glorious, beloved. This is wonderful. This is awesome. This should cause us to marvel at the wisdom of God. How appropriate it is that the woman who was first to fall into sin, she would be the one who first would touch the Savior and be touched by him. Look at God's grace. Eve was the first to fall into sin but Mary is the first to be touched by Jesus 
This is the marvel. This, is the, this, should, this, this should cause us all the more wonder at the coming of Christ into the world. For there's a manifestation of the Father's mercy, even unto Mary, even unto women. As he doesn't just redeem the world, he redeems Eve by having Jesus come born of a woman. This is God's way, beloved. We should marvel at this and let us see that Jesus was not only born in God's way, but he's born according to God's will. Born of a woman, born in under the law. Jesus came into the world subject to the law of God, like all of us. Like, like all of us, he was born under the commands of God's perfection. He was born in an accordance with the demands of God's holy law. However, unlike you and I, he never strayed one moment from the law of God. Never felt for a second that the law of God was anything but a blessing and right. Unlike you and me, he kept the commands of the law. Perfectly. Examine the life of Jesus, put it up against the Ten Commandments, and you see he had no other God, no graven images, no taking of the name of the Lord in vain, no violating the Sabbath, no disobedience to his parents, no murdering or hatred, no adultery or lying, no stealing, no lust, no coveting. He was born under the law because you and I stood condemned by the law. He came and kept the law perfectly because you and I don't keep one point perfectly. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21, the Bible says that he who knew no sin became sin so that you and I in him could become the righteousness of God. He came under the law because you and I were condemned by the law. He came and took our sin so that we might receive his righteousness. came under the law. He came in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15 says that he was touched by our, by our infirmities and that he sympathizes with us because he understands what it means to be human. He understands, beloved, what it means to get wet. Uh, a little over five years ago, my, I took uh, a couple of our kids camping. My son, Tony, and our youngest girl, Anna. Three of us went camping, and we were having just a great time underneath the stars, Brother Bino, and uh, and uh, one morning, we decided that uh, we would go fishing. So we went down by the lake, 
on the campsite where we were, and we got out on the pier, and we were fishing. And now the, my Anna, uh, she's five years old. Okay, and I'm trying to bait her hook and get her fishing things together. But, of course, as you know, Anna, she would have no part of it. She figures that she's going to do all this herself. And I wanted to cast it for her. And she said, no, she has it. And so we're standing on the dock. And I said, okay, Anna, go ahead. And I go to tend to my line. And lo and behold, I hear this huge splash behind me. And I'm thinking to myself, what type of fish was that? What has my son caught? And I turn around and lo and behold, that little girl has fallen into the water. With quickness, with quickness, my son reaches down, grabs her and pours her back up on the dock. And the whole time she's saying to me, I didn't mean to do it. I didn't mean to do it. I didn't mean to do it. But there she is, soaking wet from head to toe. Needless to say, she didn't feel like fishing anymore. All she wanted to do was go back to the campsite. We had no towels. There was no way for us to to dry off. She didn't want to fish anymore. She wanted to go back to the campsite. That was it. Tony feeling her pain. Feeling her embarrassment, feeling her frustration, said, Anna, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll jump in the water too. Clothes from shoes to shirt, Tony jumped into the water. Now, needless to say, a father's quite proud of his son that he would understand the need to sympathize with his little sister. For when she gets out of that water, she is full of joy because now there's something else to laugh about. Tony is wet. But for me, it was more than that. For me, it reminded me of what Christ has done. Christ became wet, beloved. Seeing us covered in the wetness of our sin, he jumped in the water. He became wet for us. He identified with us. That's the will of God. That Christ would not only be born of a woman, but that Christ would be born under the law so that he can redeem those who are under the law. He came under the law, keeping the law, so that we who could not keep the law would no longer be condemned by the law. And now, because of Jesus, the law of God is not burdensome to us. Now, the law is sweet. Because he was born under the law. When was Jesus born? In the fullness of time. How was Jesus born? Born of a woman, born under the law. Why 
Why was Jesus born? Jesus was born to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons and daughters of God. Why was he born? He was born for our redemption. Because because of sin, we were lost. Sin had us lost. Sin had us enslaved. Sin had us captive. We worked for sin. We lived for sin. And the wages that we received from sin, the Bible says, death. Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 6 says, all like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone. How many? Everyone. How many went astray? All. How many turned to his own way? Everyone. Notice what the prophet said. But the Lord has laid upon Jesus the iniquities of us all. Christ came because we were lost. Christ came because we were in sin. And unless, beloved, unless you are a sinner in need of a Savior, you will never know the true meaning of Christmas. Christ came as a Redeemer. Christ came, according to Luke chapter 19 and verse 10, Christ came to seek and to save that which was lost. And unless you get lost, you'll never understand why Christ came. Unless your sin becomes bitter to you, Christmas will never really be sweet. The best Christmas present anyone could ever receive is the knowledge of the fact that they're a sinner, that they're lost, that they're in need of a Savior. Unless you're willing to name your sins, you will only sing the songs, but you will never know the Savior. But you do understand that the baby was born in the manger, that Jesus came into the world, not so that you can sing White Christmas. The point of Jesus being born is not so that you and I could sing White Christmas, but rather he came that so that though our sins be as scarlet, he through his blood can make us white as snow. That's the point. The reason why he came, he came to redeem us because we needed redemption. Not only did he come to redeem us, but he came to secure our adoption. The coming of Christ, beloved, is not just that we are redeemed. But now we are sons and daughters of God. We are sons and daughters of God. So that the Bible tells us that not only are we redeemed, but now we are eternally blessed. 
We are not just saved, beloved, but we are now in the house. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 19, the Bible says that we are no longer foreigners or strangers, but now we are members of the household of God. We're members of the household of God. That we are now in the beloved, but we're more than just in the beloved. Brothers and sisters, we are in God's house. This should remind us that our eternal state and our eternal destiny far surpasses that of Adam and Eve. For Adam and Eve were in the garden. You and I, we're in the house. I don't think you understand that. The father sent his son into the world because sin had made us orphans. Orphans. No home. No hope. No future. And he sends Christ into the orphanage of sin. And he claimed for himself sons and daughters for all eternity. And when he claims them, he doesn't just take us and put us in a nicer orphanage. He takes us and he puts us in his house. Now again, you don't understand this, but there are those who do understand this. Because when he brought us into his house... He gave us his spirit and he gave us new names. For now you are Christian because you belong to Christ. Now you are Christian and not only delivered from the greatest of evils, but also crowned with the choices of blessing. It is not just that we are no longer going to hell, beloved, but now for all eternity, we will be in heaven. Because we're in the house. And you know who really understands that? The angels understand that. For the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 12 that the angels long to look into the things that belong to the salvation of the beloved. The angels understand that. The angels understand that you and I are in the house. For they are on the outside, wiping off the window, peering in, trying to see how did he get in the house. What is Sheena doing in there? How does Sheena get in the house? Gabriel looks at Michael and said, what are they doing in there? What's all the noise? What's all the joy? What's all the laughter? What are they doing in the house? And you can look at Angel, you can look at Michael and say, Michael, the reason you're not in the house is because you're an angel. And I'm a child and I'm a daughter. Gabriel, the reason why you're not in the house is because you came to proclaim the coming of Christ. But I'm the reason that Christ came. You keep longing and you keep looking. 
For this belongs not to angels, but this belongs to sons and daughters. Beloved, you think angels got it good? The Bible says that the angels long to see the things that God has stored up for us as his sons and daughters. The angels will long to be able to sit at the table and enjoy the feast that belongs to those who have been redeemed. The angels long to know the joy of salvation that comes from those, for those who have been redeemed out of sinfulness in this world. The angels long to know the love and the grace and mercy of God that comes to those he has redeemed in Christ Jesus. The angels still outside in the playground. You and I, we're sons and daughters. And we're in the house. Like I said, you and I don't get that. But the angels do. And by God's grace, one day, you will too. Because if you knew what I just said, you'd be shouting. Because the angels do. The Bible says that there's joy in heaven over just one who is redeemed. Because the angels know. There's another son or daughter. It's going to be able to get into the house. Where their father is. This is the glories of Christ coming into the world, beloved. When was he born? He was born in the fullness of time. How was he born? He was born of a woman, born under the law. Why was he born? To redeem us who are under the law and to secure for us our adoption as sons and daughters of Again, I think you may have many questions still about Christmas this morning. You still may be wondering if you should have a Christmas tree or not. You still may be wondering if angels really get their wings when every time you hear a bell ring. You still may be wondering if you should give or give any gifts. Whatever questions you have this morning, I pray that none of them is whether or not you are a son or daughter of God. Let's answer that question this morning. Let's make sure that no one leaves here with that question on their mind. Am I a son or daughter of God? Am I the reason that Christ came into the world? Have I been adopted into his family? Let that not be a question. Let that be answered this morning. Let us know for certain that we are members of the household of faith. How? How can you know for sure, you might ask? Well, the first thing, you, you got to believe. You got to believe that in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son. You have to believe that. You have to believe that in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son and that he was born of a woman. You have to believe that he was born of the virgin Mary. 
You have to believe that God sent forth his son, born of a virgin Mary. You need to believe that he was born under the law. You need to believe that he came into the world. Because you and I were in slavery to sin and that your sin brought Christ into the world. You have to believe that. You have to believe that he was born under the law. You have to believe that he came to seek and to save those who were lost. You have to believe that. But then in believing that, beloved, it is not just simply you got to believe that. Here's the ultimate key. Is you got to trust in that. You got to trust in that. You got to say, I believe that in such a way. I believe those truths of Christ coming into the world. Born of a woman. Born under the law. To redeem those that are under the law. I believe that in such a way. That I am willing to forsake everything else in the world. You got to be willing to trust that. You got to know that that is not just some intellectual assent. But that is an everyday feet on the ground reality in your life. Don't just go away from here and think, yeah, I believe what he said. No. May the spirit of Christ come this morning and open your eyes to your need for him. And that you don't just believe it, but that you trust. And that though friends and family forsake you, there is one who sticks closer to you than any brother and you trust him. That though you don't get anything else for Christmas, that there are no no presents under your tree, there may not even be a tree. But you have the knowledge that Jesus Christ has come to seek and save that was lost. And you were lost, but now it's found. You trust in that. That's how you know that you're a child of God. That's how you know You're in the family of faith because nothing matters but Christ. And you have placed your full trust in him. There is no greater gift that anyone can receive at this time of the year that they know that they belong to Jesus. That you are a son and a daughter of God. That you are in the household of faith. Believe and trust in him who was born in the fullness of time. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, there are many questions that go through our minds and surround us at this time of the year. But I pray, Lord, that there is no one here who questions whether or not they belong to you. 
If there's any heart here, Lord, that is still questioning, pray that by your spirit, you would open their ears so they would hear. Open their hearts so they would receive and know that they belong to the Christ who has come into the world to redeem, to seek, and to save lost. Father, we thank you for answering the most pertinent question in our life. It's my prayer that that has been answered for everyone. That is our prayer, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.